0: Hi there and welcome to Pick and Drive Rugby Podcast, episode 31, our Bledisloe Cup preview. So, who we are, what we do, we are two diehard rugby fans having a weekly chat about all things Aussie rugby. We are real, family-friendly and positive, so get involved. Get involved. Mitchell, how are you? How's your weekend? How's your week? How's life? Life's good,
1: yeah. The weather's warming up here in Sydney, so it's been a nice weekend so far and it's a long weekend as well, so... Definitely a good thing for that. And um, we're, we're moving into the test season as well. So lots to talk about and lots to be excited about. Very much looking forward to next weekend.
0: Yeah, hugely so. I mean, the, obviously the first Bledisloe match is one week away from today's Sunday, so it starts on the 11th. And yeah, we just really wanted to get together tonight, even though it's a long weekend. We've got the public holiday Monday tomorrow. We really wanted to get together to get this preview out there nice and early so people can kind of get hyped and get excited for this first game of the international window. Yeah, just get um, people
1: pumped for Bledisloe again.
0: We're going to bring yeah, the cup exactly. home this year. <laughs> yeah we have to win what two no we have to win three, three. of the four matches yeah three of the four Bledisway matches and two of the first two are in New Zealand so good luck us very good luck us in order to get that <laughs> so we'll see um, now basically can you go through social platforms what we do where to find us
1: definitely yes yeah. so we are on Instagram Facebook and Twitter give us a follow so Instagram you can find us at hashtag pick underscore drive underscore rugby We have a page on Facebook just at the pick and drive rugby podcast. And we're also at Twitter at pick underscore drive rugby. So definitely give us a a follow or a tweet or a like and um, get involved.
0: Yeah, it's been fun. Uh, We, with the collaboration that we did last week with the season review, it was really fun. We got a lot more traction, particularly on Twitter. And thank you to, uh, thank you to Nick. Thank you to Mitch and Mitch and Dylan for kind of retweeting and th- sending it out. The yeah. listens were well up last week which is brilliant. Lots of fun. So thank you for all the love and welcome to all the new listeners as well over the last week or two. Yeah, and I just so-
1: wanted to um say congratulations to everyone who made it through to the end of those two episodes. That was <laughs> yep. that was a long slog. I think that second episode went for nearly 2 hours, 1 hour and 45 minutes, so that's a that's a good bit of rugby there. So well done everyone.
0: <laughs> Well done. I actually, um, I really enjoyed it because for those who have listened, you'll know that it was Dylan and Mitchell chatting about the Rebels game. I wasn't able to be at that meet, uh, that that discussion, that chat. And so it was the first time I got to listen to that conversation through. I loved it. It was really, really good. Um, loved having Dylan on and he brought a lot of just insider passion to the rebels and it was great to hear because we know the tiles pretty well and it's just great to hear that from someone down south where they're usually afl mad good to know that rugby is alive and kicking with people down there too
1: and it wasn't as long as we were saying so i was getting a bit of shtick behind (laughs) the scenes that it went for a bit too long for the interview but they all ended up going for around about 45 minutes. So it ended up fitting in very nicely.
0: Brilliant. Brilliant. Well, tonight what we're going to be doing is hitting up like normal, our spicy, spicy news. And then we're basically going to do, we're going to pick our 23. So Mitch has chosen his 23. I've chosen my 23 and we have not seen each other's, teams and so what we're going to do is we're going to have a discussion around that and into that discussion we're going to blend our preview of next weekend's game so there won't be separate sections or anything like that the, the the team discussions and the match preview will all be combined together so mate do you want to jump on into the spicy news definitely I was just going to say
1: about the um the team discussion hopefully we have two separate teams um, I'm hoping fingers crossed that it's not two identical 23s but I guess we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it
0: Let's cross that bridge when we get to it. So (laughs) moving into the spicy news, Mitch, why don't you take it away?
1: Okay. So on the domestic side of things this week, some big signings have come out of, well, one big signing in particular, but a lot of departures have come out of Melbourne of the Rebels. So the big signing is that Joe Powell has been announced this week as their new number nine for the next two years. And they have a big list of players that have also left the club. Uh, I'm just going to refresh my page because I haven't actually I'll just quickly roll so through you, that so you jump into
0: that one Ando I'll jump into that one So basically the Rebels have put out all the players that they are releasing And I just want to preface this with Their statement also mentions that the majority of these departures Made their signings on with clubs in Japan During the early stage of the COVID lockdown When the future of the Super Rugby competition was really unclear And there was a lot of uncertainty about player contracts And that type of thing So yes, they have a long departure list However, it needs to be put into that context of players needing security over their playing future and earning future. So to start with, you got Tom English, the Rebels' most capped player and club captain last year. Um, He's heading off to Japan. Same with Anaru Rangi, who is one of my favourite Rebels players, 2018 players player. Japan. Actually, all of these are Japan, unless I say otherwise. Um, yeah. Andrew Kellaway, after one season at the club. Um, now, I'll, I'll quickly run through them, then we might comment. So Andrew yeah. Kellaway, Ryan Lawrence, Michael Stolberg, Andrew Deegan, S. I. Haenga, Samisi Tupo, and Boyd Killingworth. Uh, he is not actually going to Japan. He is moving back to Sydney and is joining up in the shoot shield with Warringah Rats. So which of those players are particularly surprising or worthy of comment for you, mate?
1: Yeah, so I was surprised. Um, Andrew Kellaway, we kind of already knew about. An- Anaru, Anaru Rangi, I was very surprised about. We didn't see much of him, uh, in well, any, any form of him in Super Rugby AU this year due to an injury that he picked up in the first half and then getting sort of locked down in Melbourne. Um, and that, I think, is the case for a lot of the players on this list. So Tom English didn't see him. Uh, we didn't see he, um
0: He deliberately didn't join in with the Super Rugby That's right. because yep. he was coming back from an injury and had the birth of his first child as well. And then so wanted to prepare when for he comp-
1: the season. From what I understand, he's actually gone off early to play for them because their, their season resumes shortly. So I think he's actually going to yeah, play this yep. year with them, whereas these other guys will probably join next year. Um, Ryan Larens again, I'm yep. very impressed yep. with him at the beginning of the year and I thought he was a very good talent coming through as a, as a number nine, but Again, he picked up an injury in the second or third round of Super Rugby AU and went back home to Melbourne. Yeah, and-
0: fifth, round, fifth round. Fifth yep.
1: round. Yeah, so there's a, there's a lot of big players. Yep. Andrew Deegan is another one who was a bit of a utility back there for the for the Rebels as well. So there's a lot of players on this list that are gone and it leaves a, a, a lot of big holes in that back line particularly.
0: You I still- think so. I'm particularly surprised by Deegan in a way because I thought that he was going to be... I thought he was a really good counterpart. So if he could actually play lockdown 10, that pushes Tamu out to 12. And I think that's, that's actually the best position of mm-hmm. both of them. I am um, i haven't rated Billy Meeks as well as much this season. And yeah. I think that it may well be a case of, well, he might even be a better 13 than he is a 12, in just as a thought. But yeah. regardless, Deegan's gone. Um, you've got the youngsters, Hanga, Hangana and Tupo both going as well. They were quality Australian under 20s players yep. what, 3 years ago years ago yep. um but uh, Tupo particularly has been hampered by injury over the last couple of years so hasn't been able to put a good string of games together um so look some some significant players mm-hmm. i think probably Lauren's and maybe Stolberg as one of the locks their yep. locking department isn't equally deep yep. so that's that's probably a big loss um but overall they've kept the core of the, that we have not any big departure um yeah. losses from them no no wallabies have gone uh so okay. Callaway yeah. sort of is floating around the edges
1: but yeah yeah i agree
0: yeah if he'd kept his form from the early part of the season yeah, but yeah he, definitely, he dropped off massively and i wonder if this signing had something to do with it it was it impacted his motivation he'd be training and playing yeah I, Rebels, I also think the way that super rugby AU you
1: developed in that the way that um Betty plays he had to be more of a defensive winger as opposed to an attacking winger and I think that definitely hampered his game a little bit
0: potentially well what are you all good if we move on to the British yeah definitely transfers? so if we move across okay, so. to
1: Canberra uh some big names have moved we've already announced that Tavita Kuendrani is off to the Western Force but Lockie McCaffrey and Murray Douglas are both off to Japan and Joe Powell as well is off to the Rebels and Tony Pulu has been released as well.
0: Yeah. I don't know where he's going. I couldn't find any information about his, um, where he's going, but yeah, he is leaving the club. So my, my heartbreak one there is Lockie McCaffrey. Yeah. Like what's going to happen to the Brumbies ranch? How did he break (laughs) the news to Nick White and Alan Alatoa? Surely, surely that required a lot of hugs and kisses.
1: Hopefully he still Hopefully. owns it and they can still all live on there as, as one big happy rugby team. And um...
0: <laughs> and I don't know, because you'd be thinking like his young family would go with him to Japan. Yeah. Um, So, or maybe he's just going to live there on his own and the family stays back home and he just flies back as often as he can. I don't know. Yeah, Who knows? Who knows? But either way, that's that's pretty sad. He's always been there in abouts. I think he deserved to be a greater part of conversations around um, the Wallabies. Like, for example, I think he's better than Lockie Swinton. Yeah. Uh, so the fact that Swinton is in the squad but uh, but he isn't is probably just a respect a reflection of age, maybe. Yeah. And I just growth. I think when you look at at the the
1: spot that he is in his playing career at the moment, so McCaffrey. Uh, I I would imagine that he'd already signed with Japan, and that was sort of behind the scenes talk. Didn't want to affect the the team and the players going into the final for the Brumbies. But um, where he is, he's probably could make that squad this year to just sort of make a cap or two and maybe just lead a little bit around the park and just bring some experience. But yeah, he's not going to be. He's definitely not going to be there for the World Cup, and I think that's what Dave Rennie's looking at.
0: Agreed, and I think it's a good decision for Joe Powell to be moving south. Um, yeah. like we said before, he needs to be the starring man or the main, the main number nine, uh, run on number nine for one of the super teams, and I was either going to be the Waratahs or the Rebels. And so I'm actually a bit disappointed that the Waratahs weren't able to get him. Um, but knowing the budget constraints that the Tars yeah, are having, exactly, uh, then it seems unlikely they were going to be able to afford him because he yeah. is a good player, even if he's not at this he. Actually, we'll save this conversation for later, but he's not a kind of nailed on Wallaby. He hasn't yep. played for the Wallabies for the last two years. So yep,
1: definitely. Okay, should we move on? Cool, let's move on to the next point. So the next one, Ando, this is finally some news that you would be happy about. You've been banging on this for weeks, <laughs> but Foxtel has officially lodged a bid for the TV rights for 2021 and, and
0: beyond. Yeah, look, I'm not sure if I'm happy about it, but I'm glad that some news has come out. Uh, so it means that they have put in a broad. Uh, supposedly, it's going to be around about the same price as what they've paid previously, roughly. Um, but my concern is that they're just not committed. They're just low-balling RA by not having any increase whatsoever. Um, and are just going to have that same lack of commitment to the Quality of the broadcast, and am not going to do anything mm-hmm. new. It's yep. still going to be behind the paywall. It's still going to be the same offering as last time. It's still going to be the same presenters. I, I'm just not confident that anything will change. And change is what is new. definitely. So I would have been far happier if it had been somebody new. There had been supposed conversation about Amazon potentially being that's involved. My, Maybe that's, Optus that's being I'm involved as well. I would
1: love Amazon to get it.
0: Yeah. Look, I'd be happy for that since we st- uh, we get Amazon Prime from a friend. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, I've got Optus uh, Sports from my wife's uh, phone, uh, phone plan. Okay. So I'd be happy. Don't have to pay anything extra. But look, the fact that somebody has come forward and actually put some money on the table is a positive thing. I just hope that it, um, it's not done yet and actually Optus and or Amazon and or somebody is actually keen to be a little bit more... And even if this is Fox, I actually wouldn't mind if Fox continued as a broadcaster so long as they did something different. Yeah. So long as they were willing to try this state of origin concept or state of the union concept. Yeah. Um, so long as they were willing to consider uh, some free to air element within the package. Mm-hmm. just Just something to revitalize the broadcast, the nature of the broadcast package, uh, to try and broaden the market, to try and make it more interesting and engaging for different fans to be a part of. I just I'm not confident that Foxtel are gonna do that, which is why I'm a bit I approach this with a bit of trepidation, but unfortunately we're going to have to do that thing again, where we just see how it goes and see what comes from it because we don't really have many options. COVID has thrown a massive spanner in the works and it's just less and less money to go into broadcast deals. I mean, there is,
1: there is also uh, still a few whispers out there that some free to air channels are interested. We don't know. There's nothing official coming out. Rugby Australia hasn't made any announcements yet. So um, what I understand is channel nine and channel 10 potentially are the ones that are interested in, in having some form of super rugby uh, or rugby on their channels moving forward. So hopefully something can come to pass there. Maybe Rugby Australia is in the behind the scenes, working a deal out with multiple broadcast partners and they're going to come out in a few weeks and surprise everyone, hopefully, but we don't know. I think what is really interesting about this point is that Foxtel didn't put anything in in that time frame that rugby Australia gave and sort of the tender process when they went to the market and they waited a month until it was passed before they made a bid. So it yeah. just shows, it
0: kind of just shows their intent there,
1: doesn't it? Like, Oh, well, I mean, if no one else does it, I guess we'll do it. We'll be your savior. And then you can say how amazing we are.
0: Yeah. Look, I am. Um... I'm thankful for what Fox has done in the past, but I'm very, very concerned about how they're going to be managing the game moving forward yeah. if they do end up getting the broadcast rights. But I feel like that's enough on that topic. Yeah, because definitely. Because we've got a lot more news to get through. So the last point on domestic side of things is the
1: Shoot Shield was wrapped up this weekend and Gordon, well, the regular season was. We move into the finals now, but I can say with a lot of pride and happiness that Gordon were announced the minor <laughs> premiers for the first time in like 20-something years. So it was awesome, awesome weekend for Gordon. Well done.
0: Huge congratulations to Gordon. Very, very well done. And best of luck with the finals as well. And to top it all off, they beat uh,
1: Parramatta. Oh, no,
0: sorry, Penrith
1: 97-0. Rough. That's <laughs> so rough.
0: Oh gosh okay, um internationals now, this is a really big topic that I want to just uh, dive into basically just quickly, yeah, lay out in front of everybody. It was the biggest non surprise to everybody, everyone knew it was coming that South Africa have indeed. Moved north, and they're going to be joining the Pro 14 competition. Yep. So basically, what's going to be happening is the um, cheetahs and the Southern Kings are being kicked out of the Pro 14, and then you have the, um, the all the Super Rugby teams, the remainders. So the Stormers, the Sharks, the Bulls, and the Lions are going to be joining the Pro competition, which will be expanded then, I guess, to being the Pro 16. Uh, so. What does that basically mean? It means that South Africa will no longer be a part of the any super rugby competition that happens moving forward. In not addition correct. to that... That's not correct. Oh, Look, there's still discussions about that. There's a potential for what this super eight competition may be. Uh, um, no,
1: so what they're saying is... Um, Sorry, I don't want to talk over you and and fact-check you, but what they have said is that they will withdraw the two teams that are currently playing in the Pro 14, so the Cheaters and um, the Southern Southern Kings. Kings. The Southern Kings have already gone into voluntary administration, so they're gone. But what they said their plan is that they will replace them. So they're going to do a swap-over, and their plan is that the Cheaters will join some form of super rugby.
0: Yeah, look, I... See, I actually, the reason why I haven't said that, and so I get what you're saying and why you're saying I'm wrong, um, because technically you are correct. I am the correct. Thing is, <laughs> no, 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 hold up. The thing is, though, know, the reason why, in my mind, they're having to do that is because the cheaters had actually just. Um, basically from a legal perspective, yeah, right. they had confirmed their participation in the competition. And so South Africa are having to offer them something, I think, or the SARU are trying to offer them something in order to avoid litigation. And I am not confident knowing what the plan is for next year with all the conversations coming out of um, at the rugby Australia coming out of NZRU yep. is that it's going to be a trans Tasman competition for 2021 and most likely 2022 as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I, I I, I don't think there's going to be a South African team unless they were to base themselves yeah. wholly in Australia and be like a sixth team within the and, 2021 competition. They could go and
1: play in, in Perth. Yeah, maybe not, base themselves in Perth. Not the overtake the Western Force, but just be there with the Western Force. There's yeah, a lot of expatriates yeah. over there.
0: Yeah, exactly. So look, I... Yeah, it's a really interesting one. It means that South Africa at this point are still going to be a part of the rugby championship moving forward. There is some commentary that from an international scene that's their time in Southern hemisphere competitions is limited that Mm -hmm. they're going to look to move out of the um rugby championships yeah i i understand the logic but i also am of the opinion that they have spent so many years playing against some of the best teams in the world and i think that's part of their success is that they are continually playing new zealand and australia every year and that makes them a better team particularly their rivalry with new zealand um i'm also of the opinion that i do not think that Six Nations are going to be willing to allow South Africa to join. Like, why would Wales, Ireland, Scotland and Italy be willing for South Africa to join and lower their own chances of of winning the Six Nations again? Yeah, look,
1: the only other question i would say to that and yeah i i agree um but there might not be any alternative for them so if the super rugby sides are moving into the pro 14 they're going to be playing their seasons at a completely different time of the year than super rugby will be playing so in that kind of test period now where south africa would be coming south to play um the rugby championship the majority of their players would be back playing in the domestic competition in the pro 14 so yep it's not like you're going to have a pool to draw on of those best players. I feel like those, the the calendars are not going to line up as well as it did previously with Super Rugby, um, which may force their hand in having to withdraw from the rugby championship,
0: particularly if Because they, the Pro 14 clubs will be so upset that their best players are going to play in a rugby championship.
1: Well, yeah, they may not allow, they may not want them to all leave, leave. Like if they've got only three, four teams playing in that competition, all of South African um, players, all the best players will come out. That would really derail their team for the first half of the season. They're probably not going to recover and it effectively makes the point of them moving to the Pro 14 void really if they're not going to be able to fire a good yeah, shot certainly in first few weeks. yeah certainly damages yeah so it just yeah. if you look at that side of things it may be more logistically smart for them to remove themselves from the rugby champs and then go and play if they're invited into the six nations but who knows what'll happen
0: Yeah, I think if they were to be invited or allowed to enter, I think that would actually be a massive indictment against world rugby because South Africa do not need to be a part of the Six Nations. They are not going to inherently improve or develop or significantly improve or develop as a rugby nation being a part of that competition. But you cannot say the same for someone like Georgia. You cannot say the same for a country like maybe Romania or Germany in 10 years' time. So... Uh, Georgia really should be the next team to join the Six Nations if they're looking to expand the quality of the competition um, for European Tier Two nations. If, if World Rugby is serious about expanding the game and improving the the quality of the, of global competition or global rugby, then South Africa should not be joining the Six Nations. Yep. But Unfortunately, South African broadcast. Unfortunately for Georgia, South African broadcast money, I think, will be too enticing, and I believe that South Africa will join down the track. Um, It just may not be something that some of the Six Nations member nations want to happen. They just have their hand forced.
1: Yeah, definitely. Interesting to see what happens. We've still got a long way to go before anything's announced. Yeah. But I think that ties us perfectly into the next point. So. Over the weekend, we saw the South African version of the, um, what did they call it? The, it wasn't State of Origin. What did New Zealand call it?
0: No, Green. green. Oh, the um, North versus South.
1: North versus South. That's it. Yeah. So they, yeah, there we go. Their version was called Green versus Gold, which was quite confusing to me since one team wore white. But anyway, um, so <laughs> we saw that yesterday morning, which was their version of a draft where they played two teams. Um, from all accounts, it was a pretty boring and dull affair the green team ended up winning quite convincingly Um, gold team only scored nine points the whole game. And I think the other team got 30 something points. So I don't have the exact um, outcome in front of me, but from what everyone is saying is it, it was a bit of a disappointing game. There was a a massive um, it was obvious that there was lack of fitness by the players. There was a lack of cohesion um, and there was just a lot of stop, start, a lot of errors, which I guess is to be expected considering it was the, um, it was a pre, it was a basically their version of a warm-up game, a preseason game for them. Yep.
0: Yep. Any, um, well, did I don't you think anything it's anything. That? No, no, not really. You said it all. It's a reflection of the fact that they haven't had really a preseason yep. and that the rugby championship is going to be really, really hard for them. Well, that's, uh, that's but... the
1: other thing is that a lot of people are now saying that South Africa needs to boycott the rugby championships and this test or this match goes to show that South Africa is not ready. And, being the current world champions, they're saying if we're not going to go down there and win it, why do we? We shouldn't participate. So supposedly that's they
0: probably... need the broadcast money, though. Like oh, definitely the, they would. The, they would. The union yeah. needs the money, so they can't. They're kind of forced to be a part of it because they just can't continue if they're not getting some form of revenue. Yeah, so I agree. And they to.
1: they're going to come, but it's just interesting to see that there's now this massive public uh, perception that the rugby championships is a bit of a waste of time now. Yep. Yep. Anyway.
0: Anyway, anyway, should we keep on moving and head back over the Dutch now to the New Dutch. Zealand? Yeah. All right. So basically the, the next three points that we have all tie into this idea that New Zealand have had a rubbish time over the last couple <laughs> of weeks. So there's really, really hard. so basically there's been this back and forth conversation that we did touch on last week about um the length of the the rugby championship competition how many new zealand players are not willing to be in quarantine over christmas despite the fact that both south africa and argentinian players will be in quarantine over christmas um and that there's this back and forth with Sansa when the announcement or the timetable was released, New Zealand's like, no, we didn't agree to a six-week competition. And actually, well, the, the there are minutes from a meeting, a meeting of the heads of the different organisations, which technically isn't Sansa, but it's just the um, heads of the different organisations. Um, administrations that came together and said, yeah, we, we are agreeing to a six week competition. Um, It just wasn't something that directly went through Sansa, but it's essentially the same thing because Sansa is just the heads of the competitions plus um, Andy Marinos. So yeah, there's so much back and forth whinging and complaining from New Zealand. that has gone on there. And I think they're just incredibly salty that things have fallen through with them hosting the competition. And now yeah, they, they just can't handle the fact that not everything's going in their favour. But then again, I'm very, very negative towards New Zealand right now. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's interesting. You, you it's carry on.
1: very interesting to see what's happening, um, how New Zealand rugby are handling these this sort of last two weeks, particularly. There's been a number yep. of big bits that we will move into just next um, that have come out and they've not been handled well at all by New Zealand rugby. Um, and at the moment, they've kind of put themselves against everyone else in Sansa, they're very much looking like the kind of outcast at the moment. Uh, one point we didn't mention before, when we were talking about South Africa moving north to um, to join the uh, European competition, Pro 14, that when they left, they had some really, really negative oh, yeah. things to yep. say about, South Af- about New Zealand rugby. So they've upset Australia, they've upset Argentina, and they've s- upset South Africa. So I don't know what's going on over there, but this ties us perfectly into the next point. Uh, I think the first one we'll talk about is New Zealand Rugby has come out this week and has said that, basically, they've confirmed that 2021 will see Super Rugby Aotearoa version two happen. The competition will run as normal as per this year. There will be no other teams invited into this competition, Um, and they're hoping that they'll run their domestic comp. They will have a finals next year because they realized the mistake they made this year. Um, and then they will, <laughs> they're hoping to have a crossover with Australia to, to have a sort of final series that will cross over. But what they're saying is there was a, no, they, uh, there's about four teams that have put a proposal in to be included in expansion in, into two spots into an expanded super rugby Atero competition for next year. New Zealand said that all of the, after some consideration, all of the bids were rejected and the the teams there was a few things that they said. First, the teams wouldn't be competitive, and they wouldn't be able they wouldn't be financially viable, um, which has caused a massive ruckus with particularly the Pacific uh, Moana Pacifica team that is based in the Pacific Islands.
0: Yeah, I th- yeah, and look, base this whole thing has come about. Uh, it seemed to have blindsided a lot of people in New Zealand because alongside that, the New Zealand Rugby Players Association came out and blasted, absolutely blasted New Zealand Rugby's, quote, blunt and ill-conceived plans for the future. So that was um, the Players Association boss, Rob Nickel. He basically says that New Zealand Rugby has breached legal obligations to consult the Players Association before announcing the plans, and he really wants a Pacifica team to get off the ground. And he thinks that what New Zealand Rugby is doing at the moment is actually isolating New Zealand from the rest of the world which when you look at south africa's comments earlier when you look at the tension that's with australian australian rugby and new zealand rugby at the moment is also the case it's just they're they're not doing things well at all um the you remember early on when we got our knickers in a twist about new zealand letting us put <clears> in applications and to an join expression their of interest, yeah. Yeah, and and how part of the criteria, the application criteria, was that they needed teams to be competitive, right? Yep. Well, they've just put that out of the window because they're in negotiations with Moana Pacifica, Kanaloa, Hawaii, the Western Force. Fiji Drua and the South China Lions based out of the Bay of Plenty. Do not tell me that any of those teams at this point in time, or even in by 2021 would be more competitive than the Melbourne rebels. Like it's, that's just not true. The oh, Western I, force would, I would potentially
1: say uh, Western force possibly, but I think this Moana Pacifica team has, has the, um the potential
0: to be quite, impressive. Potential, yeah. I don't think in one year, though. I don't think ready for a start next year. Definitely down a track, yes, yes, yes. But if they were in 2022, maybe I'd be looking for a couple of years after that for them to be really up to the standard that the existing super rugby teams are at. Um, Because a new team always takes time to get off the ground.
1: Exactly, but that's just short-sightness on New Zealand's side. There's no way that any team, regardless of how many years prep you give them, are going to be competitive in their first year. Yep. It's not going to happen. Exactly. There's no way that you can expect a team to come into a competition and be pushing to make the finals or be pushing to win it. You have to be okay exactly. with expanding the competition, bringing them in, giving them time to expand and builds cohesion and, and start to put some wins together. And then in a year or two, that's when you can start to expect them to, to progress. But a rugby team is not just going to come together overnight and potentially
0: push the best country in the world in rugby. It's just, it's just ridiculous. And it puts the lie to that earlier invitation in my yeah. mind. So what it says is that our invitation wasn't genuinely to be an open and honest offer to have Australian teams join our competition. It was to try and force Australia's hand to kick out a couple of teams to condense their player pools so they would be more competitive. And it's just... in my That's how I'm reading it, based upon these ongoing negotiations with these smaller teams or these less established teams, maybe, is a better way of saying it. And I just... I'm fed up with NZIU at the moment and the way mm-hmm. that they are communicating things to their, the people who really are their partners in a region. Like it, really just feels, is, it just feels like you, you
1: rugby at the moment are treading water. Like yeah. They're not quite sure where they're going or what they're doing, but they're treading water and they're putting bits and pieces of information out there, but they haven't got a strategic plan and, a, and a, an idea of where they're going and what they want. They're just kind of feeding bits of information and it's now coming back to bite them on the butt. So the point yep. that we were talking about around the Pacifica team. So there's an art, a great article on rugby pass. I would recommend you all go and read it because it's, it basically just sticks it to New Zealand rugby so well. And I had such fun reading this this afternoon, but what they're saying is that they were rejected by New Zealand rugby and said that they weren't um, viable. They weren't affordable and they weren't competitive. So, um, the head, there's two people that are responsible for backing this team, Sir Brian Williams and Sir Michael Jones. Sir Brian Williams has addressed the, these rejections by New Zealand rugby and saying that they've been inc- he personally has been campaigning for an inclusion of the Pacifica team in Super Rugby since the competition started in 1995. He said that they have, um, they have sat down with Deloitte and have completed a financial feasibility study that's over 100 pages long and has a complete cost analysis of the team, with a list of potential players and a list of potential coaches that they've already lined up to to be on their books. They have already done a cost analysis that says that they will be um, they will be uh, competitive, not competitive. Um, oh, I've just lost the word. They will be they will break even cost. They yep. will make money in their first I'm year. Sure. Yeah. And so the fact that New Zealand Rugby has then turned around and said that. Um, they won't be competitive, they don't have a team and they're not going to make any money. They're not com- commercially viable. It's just ridiculous. But oh, what no. this-
0: And when you go into more detail with that article, um, it provides all the information, well, a large amount of information about why they think they're going to be a viable team, how they had done all the cost-benefit analysis, they yeah. had um, a partnership or work with Deloitte in order to assess their... Um, their predictions and whether or not they could be cost not not even cost neutral but whether they could actually break even and even make some money and they could and so new zealand's announcement of the fact that they weren't um where was it what was the specific quote they weren't ready and just shows that they they said yeah they were really disappointed by new zealand
1: rugby that said pacific front up that we couldn't show we had a competitive rugby team or the
0: commercial wherewithal to put it together. We were a bit flabbergasted by that, to be honest. And again, I think it's New Zealand had a plan from the outset that they didn't really want to expand the competition in 2021. Um, And if they didn't get their way of having those two or three Australian teams join, they are just treading water, like you said, and then moving forward. So basically, if in my mind, if I'm to sum this up, I think New Zealand have significantly lacked in leadership. They have failed... Miserably in constructive communication with their regional partners and even with the non regional partners such as South Africa and Argentina. um, I think they've jumped the gun way too early in calling an end to Super Rugby. And the way that they did it without consulting the other Sanzar partners is, in a way, inexcusable. It's arrogance. And it's, it's, it, unfortunately for new zealand i think what they're learning is that despite the incredible quality of their rugby team and their rugby program and that they are the really realistically the best team in the world over the last 20 years mm-hmm. they do not have the economic strength or political power to be able to make or to influence the game in a way that they want and yep. that is creating a tension between their perception of self as an organisation and the realities of their influence. Now, that is not to say that New Zealanders suck. (laughs) That is not the case. Um, Actually, a lot of the conversations that I've seen online with um, New Zealand rugby fans have been very reflective constructive um realistic about the situation and have been quite kind of supportive of the criticism towards nzru i think it's an organizational issue and not a new zealand rugby fan issue. yeah um yeah well said i agree
1: um one thing that this does potentially open the door to and, and that's another thing that this article goes into is that the pacific moana pacifica team so they're ready to go and they so want to be included in Super Rugby in some form that they're now looking at moving and putting a proposal to Rugby Australia to to include in Super Rugby AU next year which would be awesome I really really hope that Rugby Australia takes this on Um, definitely looks at it as a real possibility because I think there's a real chance that they could set up a really good team Base in Western Sydney, if there's if COVID allows them to play some games in the Pacific Islands as well, brilliant. But if not, they could set up in Western Sydney and be very competitive and have a very, very good following there. Um, and this could definitely put Rugby Australia back on top over uh, New Zealand rugby in this sort of Whole debacle. Yeah, I think well, I great. think we've
0: spoken enough about news now, mate. Um, yeah, we have. <laughs> I've just realised we've gone for about forty minutes, so we should probably <laughs> move on to the actual uh, Bledisloe stuff. How does that sound? Sounds good. Let's uh, let's get into it. Let's roll on.
1: All right, now it's time to talk some rugby. So we're going to preview Bledisloe Cup Game One, which happens next Sunday afternoon. So how are we going to do this? We are going to run through our team. So both myself and Ando will read out our the team that we'd like to see picked by Dave Rennie and his Wallaby staff. We'll go through the positions one to 23. We'll then have some justification of the overall approach of why you've chosen those players. We're not going to break down into specific players and why we picked them, 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 and them. Just an overall justification. And then we'll leave the other person to, to, and to ask two to three questions about the team, why they picked who they picked and so on, and then we'll swap over. So, Ando, you're going to go first and um, hopefully we don't have the same team.
0: (laughs) Well, we should uh, lift the curtain a little bit. We sent the teams through to Mitch's wife and she had a read over them and we do not have the exact same one to 23. So, like everybody, there will be players that most people will have picked in their particular positions. So that's going to be standard, but we do not have the exact same 23, which is good. Um, Okay, cool. So let's begin. I'll just read through my one to 23 first. Uh, So starting at number one, Taniela Tupo. Brandon Payne-Ramosa, and James Slipper as my front three. Moving into the locks, Lucan salakai Matt Phillip. Then into the back row, number six, Liam Rye. Seven, Hooper, who's the captain. And then eight is Pete Samu. Then at the nine, ten, twelve, you have Tate McDermott, nine. Ten is James O'Connor, and twelve is Matty Timur. Thirteen, Hunter Paisami. Wings are Marika Korabedi and Jordan Petaya on the yeah. other wing. And then 15 is Tom Banks. So that's the starting 15. Then I'll quickly move into the bench. So I've gone for a 5-3 split on the bench. Five forwards, three backs. So that's Alan. It's basically the Brumbies front row is the bench front row. So it's Alan Alatoa, Filalfa Inger, and Scott Sio. Uh, then Ned Hannigan as the rever- reserve lock okay. uh, then you have Harry Wilson as well as a reserve back rower and Hannigan can also play back rower if required yep. then Nick White, Noah L'Alessio and Reese Hodge as the three back replacement. So uh, that gives me an eight, nine, four, two split with Brumbies, Reds, Rebels, Tars, eight, nine, four, two. So the Reds have the most by one, then the Brumbies. So Reds and Brumbies dominate. Four Rebels, who Tars to make my starting 12, make my oh, 23. Ouch. <laughs> no, that's fair that's fair. yeah it's really not surprising at all i wanted to sneak someone like james ram in there um just as a bit of a bolter but i couldn't in good conscience when i knew a one-eyed pick okay um now justification basically Rennie is pretty well known for playing a high-tempo style of play. He has really quick recycling of the ball, um, requires really high skill levels from all players as well as the forwards. I actually went back and watched some of the highlights of the Chiefs season from 2012 and 2013 and one of the things that struck me was the expectations that if the ball is available and it's a forward who has just arrived at the ruck, the forward is going to be the one that plays scrum half picks it up and distributes it out yeah. so that that's just a basic example of the expectations that forwards uh that the, the high tempo game requires all players to be able to commit to it and requires a lot of mobility and um just high stamina levels as well high work rate so what that basically means is i wanted a team that was heavily um focused on that high tempo game which in my mind heavily is actually Heavily mobile, which in my mind leads you to playing Reds Mm -hmm. and Reds players. So I actually have nine, or is it nine or eight? I think it's eight reds players in my starting 15 but a whole bunch of brumbies players on the bench and so my hope is that the experience and composure of the brumbies players can close out the game mm-hmm. and that the energy and cohesion of the reds heavy starting 15 gives them a really strong start so that's my basic overall justification for some of the decisions that i've made
1: right okay so now i get to ask questions right
0: yeah yeah you've got a, two or three questions okay so why is tupo playing one uh, that's He's played three all year on Yeah, that's me putting the numbers at the wrong end My Right, apologies. so Slipper is so, one and two <laughs> post three Yep, Slipper is okay, cool. one makes and more two post three I was
1: like, you've just yep. basically nullified both of your props No, 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 no wrong no, 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 no. Let's not
0: drill on that, come on, <laughs> move okay, on That's no, not that's even right, a question, that right. doesn't count as a question
1: I just was, I was a bit confused, I just wanted to make sure um, Okay, cool You're starting Jordan Pattaya, Gutsy
0: Yes, I think, yeah So basically I believe that Hunter Paisami has had a really, really good season. And in my mind is probably one of the strongest 13s in all of the super rugby AU com. Um, I think he's been more consistent than Pattaya. Who's had so many injury concerns that he hasn't been able to get that run of form. And I would like Pattaya because he is an incredibly high quality player. I'd like him to have the opportunity to inject himself uh, wherever he wants within yep. Uh, attacking sequences that he doesn't have to necessarily be constrained by particular positional requirements. Like, like much like we've seen from Dungunu and Curabetti throughout the season for the rebels and the reds. So I, and also think he's stronger under the high ball than Felipe Dungunu. So that's why I've chosen him over Dungunu.
1: Do you think he's um, a justified defender in the, on the wing channel
0: one-on-one? Yeah, that's a good question. I haven't seen enough of him in that position to really know that. But yeah. uh, I've just—he's such a good player that I wanted him in a team. But yep. I thought Paisami deserved to start at thirteen. So, cool. And knowing that Patai has played fourteen this season, I thought he'd be okay to go there. Cool. What made you pick Tom Banks at fifteen to start? Um, I thought I was—it was between him and Haler Petty so i was just trying to figure out who i would want more within my team and i think hail petty is a bit more of a safe pick and i'm not sure if safe is where i want to be going within this (laughs) um i yeah i just i mean obviously because it's not my job on the line i was a bit (laughs) more willing to pick a player that's more attacking plus my criticism of tom banks i mean i I actually was pretty critical of him in the reviews that we did last week. Mm-hmm. But my criticism of him is that he wasn't consistent throughout the season coming back from his injury, uh, although he actually played relatively well in the grand final. And so I thought that maybe he's actually coming into a bit of a run of form and maybe the time training with the Wallaby squad would give him that opportunity to integrate really well and to fully recover from his injury earlier in the season. So if he is able to extend that form I just think with, with the recent injury concern that Dave Hale at Petty has had as well. I thought that banks with his kicking game that he brings to the picture as well uh, is just a better pick within that too. Cool. Cool.
1: Nice. All right. Why Ned Hannigan?
0: That's the last question. <laughs> Why Ned Hannigan? <laughs> yeah, oh, like specifically. specifically- Alessio. Come on. Yeah. Okay. Um, Hannigan. I specifically Hannigan. Yeah. Yeah. So specifically Hannigan, I looked through the locks and I thought, who are you going to put on a bench? And you need somebody that's going to be a solid line-out option. But also if you're getting injuries in the back row, like six or seven can also help to cover those positions as well. Mm-hmm. And so Hannigan has had a pretty good season. He actually was more of a threat over the ball this season than previously and he was jumping really really well in a line out particularly in defensive line out reads as well so i thought he's a good line out option he is quite mobile he's more mobile and more energetic than rob simmons and he is more of a physical presence than rob simmons and for Everybody listening, if you start whinging about Ned and being useless at Wallaby's level from his early time under Chica, then you really need to like move to 2020 and recognize that he's not the same player that he and that he is a different uh, specimen he's built he's bulked up a lot more he's a lot more physical in contact and his quality around the park has lifted i'm not saying he is the best lock in australia but i'm saying that he deserves to be in a conversation at well, that's the very why he's least, starting well right sneaker squads yeah exactly like like both philip and um Salakai are better than him okay cool yeah that's fine um so in my mind having is the best of the rest at this point. I don't think any of the other locks... Like, Simmons did have a decent season, but... Like you're not gaining anything for the future, picking Simmons considering he's leaving at the end of the season. Like I know Hannigan is as well, but he may well come back in a year or two. Uh, Simmons won't be, he'll be retiring after his time over in Europe. So yeah, that's why I picked Hannigan. I just thought he was the best of the rest from both the quality of play and experience level as well. Cool.
1: Yeah. Nice. Oh, awesome. I was going to ask you some sort of questions around how this team will go up against the All Blacks team, but I think that will tie into our preview of the game. So yeah, we will not okay. get into that. Yeah, so I didn't go that way. Um, I'm going to run okay. through my team now. Yeah, cool. Are you ready go for it. that?
0: Okay. I am ready. Go so, on.
1: number one, I have gone with... Number one, Scott Sio. Number two, Falao Fainga. Number three, Alan Alatoa. <laughs> number yeah, okay. Number four, Rob Simmons. Number five, Lucan Salakailoto. Six, Liam Wright. Seven Michael Hooper, eight Pete Samu, nine Tate McDermott, ten James O'Connor, eleven Filippo Dungunu, twelve Matt Tamua, thirteen Hunter Paisami, fourteen Marika Corabetti, and fifteen Dane Haley Petty. Now, my I've gone for a four four split in the backs, um, in the sorry in the reserves, four four. Yeah, what? so I've gone <laughs> sixteen James Slipper, <laughs> seventeen Jordan Ulysses, eighteen Taniela Tupo. 19, Harry Wilson, 20, Nick White, 21, Reese Hodge, 22, Noel Alessio, and 23, Tom Banks.
0: Wow. Okay, justification.
1: Boom. Okay, so I've picked this team with two ideas in mind. Number one is that we've got the Brumbies front row who have proven themselves as the best front row in Australian rugby this year. So let's not, let's not get rid of that. Let's use that going into the Bledisloe up against New Zealand. Um, I think Rob Simmons is the best line out. Um, he's the best leader of a line out we've got in Australian rugby at the moment. understand he's going overseas. I want him to, to run the line out for us. So with those combinations, Luca and Salakayaloto as well is a good jumping option. I want to have a strong set piece coming up against the All Blacks. If we can get a good set piece, we can build off that. If we don't have a strong set piece and we're, not, we're going backwards and we're not winning our scrums, all our lineouts, we're, we're dead. We're not going to make any effect against the All Blacks. I've gone for a bit of an explosive backline. line. I put Filippo Dungunu, Hunter Paisami, and Mariko Korabedi in there because I think the Fijian flavour is really going to give them that ability to roam. Um, I also think that James O'Connor and... James O'Connor knows Filippo Dungunu particularly. He's played with him at the Reds this year. So he knows and him and Tate McDermott, they've got that Reds flavor. I think Matt Tamu as well is really capable of opening up the backline and giving them the the ability to roam and to make that impact. Um, I also think we need someone like Dane Hala-Petty at the back to be safe under the high ball and to kick uh, consistently. Um, so that's kind of my my reasoning behind mm-hmm.
0: it. Yeah, okay. All right. I hear what you're saying. I'm still a bit flabbergasted by the unique four-four split. And I use the word unique because I'm not sure if I've ever seen a four-four split in professional level rugby for the bench. Have you genuinely have you seen it? Have you seen it with four forwards and four backs on the bench?
1: Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think I have.
0: Really? I can't I can't announce I okay. can't say where, but yeah, I think okay. so. The only reason why I question that is because what happens if you have two injuries and you're like uh, any of the locks or the back row. So from four to eight, if you have two injuries, then you literally don't have another back that you can play in those positions.
1: So as in say safe, give Going me an forward. example of give me an example of okay. where this might happen. Simmons
0: Simmons goes down. Simmons mm-hmm. goes down. Okay. Pops a hammy or something like that because he's old. Yeah. And you bring what, Harry Wilson on and push Liam Wright into Yeah, so I would lock? be then
1: pushing Liam Wright into second row and keeping okay, cool. um, Harry Wilson on, at six.
0: Now, Harry Wilson is a madman. Yep. He goes into a tackle and cops a shoulder to the head and gets concussion, okay? Goes off a HIA. Who goes into the forwards? Who goes into the back row then? Um, yeah, you don't have anyone, like unless you bring a front roller on as a back row player. Yeah, no, that's um, fair enough. But that, that would or, be pretty unlikely that you would, you would lose... Yeah. Yeah, two, two of your. Um, like, it, two of your. In international forwards. rugby, look, that you would lose that many possible.
1: players at one time. I mean, even if you had one
0: extra player yeah, there, I feel look, like you'd I'm, be. I'm just going yeah. with convention.
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. The reason I went way, for okay, having cool. a few more so, backs in there
0: is. Yep.
1: Um, I've included Noel Alessio there. So if we bring him onto the field, mm-hmm. we've, I've also got some players there that maybe potentially aren't quite ready at test level. We've got Tate McDermott, Philippo Dungunu and Hunter Paisami. I feel like they have yep. the potential to be really good and, and fire, but if they don't, I want to be able to bring other players on that will replace them and, and do a decent job, which is why I've got Nick White, Reese Hodge, yeah, and okay. Tom Banks there. Um, Dane Hallett, yeah, as okay, well cool. as another player that can move around a little bit. I feel like yep. the, I, I definitely understand what you're saying before about um, not having that extra back. But at the moment, I just don't feel like we're, los- we're getting that many injuries in the forwards that it would have to be a problem. I feel like we're probably getting a lot of back injuries at the moment, particularly in that um, final. The-, the Reds lost it. A- Imagine if you put like Taniela
0: Tupo on at six or eight or something like that. So <laughs> that would be incredible having Taniela Tupo playing as a loose forward. He could um, do it, he could do <laughs> that'd it. That'd be a lot of fun. Well, he's got the engine for it. He's playing 80 minutes basically every game in Super 8. Exactly. Yeah, you. Um, yeah. Okay, so that was my main question in regards to the 4-4. Four, four. Um, look, question number two. I, look, your team kind of makes sense. You've justified, in your opinion, why you're including Simmons. I personally don't think that his line-out is much... Like, it is better. It is better than Matt Phillips, mm-hmm. but... Um, actually, do the Rebels have the highest percentage of successful lineouts in the Super Rugby Comp? I feel like that's an accurate stat. I don't know. Don't know. Um, also, I'm
1: also going for experience here.
0: I feel like that's correct.
1: I also feel like Rob Simmons yeah, is to be more experienced. Yeah, and you
0: do need a couple of old heads. I, I completely I mean, in that, in that number four position, yep. really, yep.
1: Rob and, Simmons and Matt Phillip, I don't see either of them being standout over, one over the other. It's not like they bring much around the park from each other. Like, definitely Lucan Salakai I think, Loto I think, has a better yeah, ball I would running say game. Maybe you would say that um, Phillips is a yeah. Little, yeah. little bit more mobile I think than Simmons, Simmons, but not massively. Phil,
0: yeah, Phillips is a little bit. Agreed. So, yeah. um, okay, there, so I, I guess just my other going question. For experience.
1: Yep. Plus, he's a Waratahs yep, player, so okay. just throw him in now,
0: there. Now, Jordan, <laughs> Jordan Ulesi as the reserve hooker.
1: Why? Yep. Um, because I just, I like his form. I know he's been injured a little bit. Um, but the other person that we 've got in that squad would be Brandon Pangramosa, and i don 't really um, okay. i just I think that Jordan Ulysses is a better line out thrower, and I think he 's a little bit more mobile around the park more so than Brandon Pangramosa Pangramosa probably has more game time under his belt than Jordan Ulysses, but he Jordan has shown that he 's capable of doing really well, but he 's also a little bit like um, uh, he 's like oh jeez i 've just had a mind blank. Um, Jordan Pataia, sorry. Injury he's like prone. in that he's in very injury prone. He picks up injuries very easily, but yeah.
0: Yeah, agreed. Yeah, well, mate, that's actually it. Um, I think with you defending your 4-4 selection as well as Rob Simmons, those are really the main questions I had. So yeah, I think we can probably move on to our kind of conversation around the match itself and what we're thinking. And we're they weren't too similar, which is, which is great. they weren't which is good uh sometimes when we do this we basically choose the same team uh so i'm glad that there are some differences and changes uh cool okay well why don't we jump on forward well this one other quick
1: thing i did want to say i do think that um yeah i do think taniela tupo is the best number three in australian rugby at the moment um but i really like alan alatoa's ability to to control them all so i think that he brings that um that stableness and the Brumbies have, I didn't want to break up the Brumbies front row. I wanted to let them yep. be their, their pack. Um, I think the three of them together can lead them all really well. And that's just adds a, another trick into the bow of the, the wallabies. Um, I also think Tania Tulipo has shown that he can play 80 minutes, but I would just love to see him come on in sort of the 50th minute and just run havoc for 30 minutes, just run the ball at 110% every single time he gets it. I just think he'd yeah. like unleash Agreed. him. Just let him go, go at it, and just run it. Yeah, run a boat and bar it all day.
0: I think there are there are points where you want the combinations to have as much experience and time together as possible, and so we. Really, just need to be considering what combinations we have already established within our super teams and try and utilize those as much as possible. So, who are the two best teams in Super Rugby? There were the Brumbies and the Reds. And that's why both yours and my teams are heavily laden with Brumbies and Reds players, particularly in combinations like the front row or the 9, 10, uh, 9, 10 15, or whatever it is, whatever the particular dynamics are. Um, I think looking for those little moments of cohesion and combination between the squad are really, really important. So, yeah. All right, should we move on to the game itself or maybe even the fan input that we had?
1: Let's move into the fan input
0: first and then we'll do the game. Great. Well, I've got it up from, we um, put out a quick post uh, before we started the pod to see if there's any questions or input that people wanted to have for us to touch on. And thanks to Rev Mitch Evans on Twitter for getting back. And his question, there, there are a couple of points that we can be discussing around this. I'll read it all out. Which players out of the 16 uncapped make the cut for the first test against New Zealand? And if projecting likely 15s for the future, which positions do you see as the Wallabies' biggest, biggest advantage if there's one over the All Blacks and their biggest advantage over us? So why don't we start with the first part of that question and say which players out of the 16 uncapped make the cut for the first test? Haven't we just done that? Yeah, but let's be more specific now. So for me, it was particularly Harry, Wilson and Noel Essio. Actually, I'd take McDermott as well. So, those are my three bolters. Um, was there anybody else that I mentioned? Uh, uh, Hunter Paisami. So, four. Yeah. So, I've got four on Captain my- mm, The numbers are creeping up as I read through it again. How about you, mate?
1: Yeah. So, I've got, um, I mean, Liam Wright's got one cap. I guess he kind of. He's got one. I know he doesn't technically count in this, but yeah, one cap's <laughs> not a lot. Yep. Um, yep. Tate McDermott, Filippo Dungunu, Hunter Paisami. And then we've got. No, Lalesio off the bench for me. So that's. And Harry as Wilson well. as well. Harry and Harry Wilson. Also. Five. I've got five because I've included yep. Dungunu.
0: Yep. So, yeah, that's five, which is. So those are the ones that I think. I think those are the players that are most likely to get um, game time moving forward as well. I, yeah, I would personally say these don't think players that many all, will be picked. Are,
1: they're all at international level or thereabouts. No, Lalesio yep. is the. Out of all of the under-20s from last year, he's the only one that really shapes to potentially get some game time. But even then, he'd be on the bench and I wouldn't be playing him outside. I wouldn't be giving him more than 15 minutes. Unless no, there was I an wouldn't injury.
0: be giving him. Yeah. yeah, correct. Um, I think one of the players I'd really like to see get a go is Fraser McWright, but I don't think he will because the captain is in his position. So unless they decide to rest him rest Hooper for maybe a game against Argentina they might start McWright for that game yeah possibly uh, yeah possibly I don't see him yeah but he's he's almost like a only a number seven I think if you're having a back row player on the bench you need somebody that can cover multiple and so at least Wilson can be six and eight or Wright can be six and seven Um, so that those are the type of players you would want on the bench so I figure in my mind McWright either starts or he's not in the
1: no, I'd I agree
0: with yeah. that. So, yeah, okay. That's the first part of the question. Uh, the second part is, if we are projecting f- forward, do we think the wallabies have an advantage over New Zealand or what advantage do they have over us? Do you mind if I start with this? Because I was thinking yeah. about it before. Yeah. Um, I think that, up front, we should be able to match it with the New Zealand team. Um, I don't think we're going to get dominated in our forwards. I think where we're really going to struggle is the 9-10-12-15 axis. So the spine of the back line is just vastly more experienced. You cannot possibly compare Aaron Smith and Richie Mwanga and Bowden Barrett at 9, 10, and 15, if that's the um, lineup that's likely to be happening, with, what, Tate McDermott, with James O'Connor, and, what, Dane Penny or Tom Banks. They just do not stack up. Now, don't get me wrong, the Aussie players are good, but they do not have the international experience, pedigree, and class over three, four, five, six years that the New Zealand counterparts do. So that, in my mind, their backline and the the experience of their backline is their biggest advantage. That's my read on it. What about you?
1: Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I, I'm worried about our line-out. Um, I think that's been a worry of Super Rugby AU this season. No team has done it well. While one some teams have been consistent, they haven't been good at it. Um, the Brumbies are effective at the more um, for off a, off a lineout, which has been their weapon for the last few years. So that sort of gives me a little bit of um, worry because it also we have seen in this season that a team isn't a team doesn't start off bad and then get better. They start off bad and get worse. Um, so if we're not firing at the beginning of the game in the lineout, we're just going to lose every single one. So that's a yep. concern for me. I think the front row can hold it. I think the forward pack will be. Okay to match it. I don't see us winning many balls opposite, like against the the feed. Hopefully, we might be able to s- sneak a few penalties here or there. But I wouldn't be saying that we'd be going to our our set piece, the scrum particularly, to score points. I think our I personally think that our um our strength's going to be in our back three, um and all, all those back players who have the ability to spark something from nothing, which is definitely yeah. something that the All Blacks thrive off. But if you go back and look at the highlights of the game against the All Blacks in an Optus Stadium in Perth last year where we beat them um, 36 to 20-something, um, that was definitely the ability for us to make ground in the tackle and then get the ball away and, and continue to keep the ball alive was what um, got us that victory. So I definitely think we have the players this year that have that ability, and I think that's where we... Yeah, we can be effective.
0: Yeah, I think I, I understand that and I, I agree with that in general. Um, I, th- I think there's some commentary over the Super Rugby AU competition that says that the issue with the lineouts within Super Rugby AU wasn't actually an issue with kind of the hookers throwing or the um, the lineouts themselves. It was the improvement in the defensive quality of the lineouts mm-hmm. throughout the competition and they were just getting better at reading the opposition because they were playing against them so often. Um, the other point I just kind of want to make is we really don't know how the Wallabies are going to play because we haven't seen them play yet under Dave Rennie. And so understanding what the advantage is going to be really requires an understanding of the tactical approach that's going to be taken into the game. And so we might see an attempt to actually not try and play a really high up-tempo style of game against the Kiwis because what are they best at? Attacking off counter-attack and broken field play. Okay, exactly. They they are incredibly clinical. In it. As soon as they get a turnover, as soon as they um, receive the ball back, they will launch a lightning counter-attack and they don't need possession to score tries. They will just absorb the pressure, absorb the pressure, force a mistake and encounter and score. And so it may well be that the Wallabies try to go with a bit more of a Brumbies approach and, pray, and play um, possession, play territory off a strong kicking game and then go to maybe the strengths of some of the Brumbies forwards and use them all as a yep. weapon. And maybe that could be a way of playing. The, I mean, I that's not something we've forecast. seen.
1: We've not seen the Wallabies do that in the last few years. No, They tried every now no. and then, but considering the Brumbies are so good at it and they've been yep. consistently good at it against New Zealand opposition for a number of years they yep. never use it and it's 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 unusual
0: yeah and i think part of that comes down to checker's approach yeah. i we, run we all know anywhere. that his run it from anywhere approach and i mean You kind of, in a way, need to respect the man for having a philosophy and sticking to it when everybody's (laughs) screaming at him that it's not working. But I feel like Rennie will be more pragmatic and situational. will be able to various tactics in situation. So will we see that forward-dominated approach or possession-slash-territory-dominated approach? Or will we see a bit more of a high-tempo attacking game of the really high-quality attacking threats within a backline to try and unlock the keys that way? Uh, It just, I'm not sure if you would want to be our inexperienced backline against the Kiwi Um, backline. I don't know. I actually think our strength against them may well be in our forwards. Uh, But even then, it would be a marginal strength. I don't think it will be an area of dominance, but just maybe somewhere where we can get a slight advantage.
1: Yeah, definitely. We're not quite sure what we're going to get really, are we?
0: no and that's the exciting thing that's why it's really fun because i mean look i really don't mind how we like obviously i want us to win and i hope we don't get spanked um those <laughs> well, are kind i think of that that
1: actually yeah that moves us
0: into our um our prediction of the game and now overview of yeah, that yeah 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 so get getting to the game itself i do not think the Wallabies will win either of the two games in New Zealand. So the first game is in Wellington. The second game is at Eden park. And I don't think we're going to, if I'm being realistic as opposed to hopeful, Hmm. I don't think we're going to win either game. I think a brilliant result would be one, one. So win the first game, lose a second uh, and the absolute unicorn would be to win both and have a really strong chance of retaining. That's uh, like almost not going to happen. I don't even know what the odds are for that, but I think that the first game will probably be a bit tighter and then the second game will probably blow out a little bit.
1: Yeah. Look, I've got, it's either, you know, you go with your heart or you go with your head. If I go with my heart, I've, I've got, I've got this, this faith that we've got a new team, a new coaching team. We've got all these new players. We've got a lot of guys who have come through sort of super rugby AU. So they haven't got a great deal of experience losing to New Zealand. So they're not got that sort of thought in the back of their head that, ah, oh, we're playing New Zealand. We have to lose. Like that's what we do. Um, so they've been told that they're going to go out there and win. So they're going to give it all they can to, to do that. Um, part of me hopes that that's going to be enough to just get out there and put in a really good performance and, and push New Zealand really hard. And maybe with this new coaching team, they'll have a completely different game plan than anyone's expect, expecting of them. And we do something that's un, un, unforecasted and, and we surprise them. We surprised them in, in Perth last year and we got a fairly good victory against New Zealand. So my heart is hoping for that. My head is thinking that we're coming, off, we're coming up against a New Zealand team that have just come off an incredibly intense Super Rugby Aotearoa competition that had some incredible performances. Um, The North versus South game was crazy. Like, we've not seen a game of that level for a number of years. This team is just on fire and they're ready to win. They're not going... This is their two games this year of international games on home soil. They're not going to go down easy. Um, It's going to be a very, very hard thing to go there and win. So, yeah, my head says that we probably won't win either of these games. I'd be happy if we didn't if we lost by less than ten points. Um, but, but there's the potential either way. So I, I really I don't know what's going to happen. I think out of the two options, we probably have a better chance, like you said, of winning the first one, being that it's in Wellington. Um, Eden Park already has that massive hoodoo about it. We haven't won there in however many years it is now. Um, so that just makes it harder to do.
0: Yep. Look, mate, I think you've just summarized things really, really well. So, I think we can really wrap up the match preview here so long as we give our actual predictions. So, what is your prediction for the first result of, well, the the result of Bledisloe game?
1: Um, I'm going to say New
0: Zealand by eight. New Zealand by eight. I am, I'm going to go New Zealand by 12. Oof, that'll break my heart yeah that's outside that 10 come on <laughs> i'm sorry i'm sorry um now the reason why i'm doing this is if you remember my strategy from super rugby AD, <laughs> i vote <laughs> for the okay. result that i think it might happen and then hope that i'm wrong so i hope that i'm wrong in the favor of the Aussies here and that we end up getting the win so we'll see um yeah okay cool so i think that's basically it for this episode mate is there I anything it you is. wanted to touch on before we wrap up don't think so i think we're done. Cool. I think we're done. So thank you everybody for getting to this point in the pod. Love your work. Love your support. And it has been a lot of fun going through this. There was a lot of news to cover this week. So thank you for sticking through that too. Yeah, thank you. And we are just so excited for the Bledisloe games that are coming up. We really encourage everybody to just be positive and to be supportive of Aussie rugby. And recognize that if we compete well in these first two games, then that's going to be really positive for where we are at at the moment as a rugby nation, we're going through a rebuilding process and we need to be patient with both the wallabies and the coaching staff as well. Exactly. So I am hopeful, hopeful, maybe blind optimism blind because we haven't seen what's coming yet. (laughs) So we'll see, but thank you again for your support and listening to the
1: pod. Mitch, any final words? No, just get behind the wallabies and give it everything guys go out there and, and let's, Let's bring it home. Let's bring home the Bledisloe.
0: That's what we're pushing for. So it's going to be a, it's a massive uphill battle, but we're all behind you. Do right. good things? Thanks for your support. Thanks for your love, team. Have a great week and we'll be here bright and early again next week. Thank you for listening. Bye.
1: <laughs> Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Pick and Drive Rugby Podcast. You can follow us on social media at the following outlets. Follow our Facebook page at Pick and Drive Rugby Podcast. Send us a tweet at, at Pick underscore drive rugby. Follow our Instagram at Pick underscore drive underscore rugby. Or send us an email at pickandrive rugby at gmail.com. We'd love to hear any questions or feedback you may have, so get in touch. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you next week.